So I'm deciding against the microphone. Kind of last minute there. Um, this morning, as we begin, we are going to uh, look at the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, the church in Philippi. And this is a letter that we have been looking at for the last nine weeks or so over the summer. And this week, there's just a tiny little bit left. But um, we're not just going to cover the tiny little bit. Instead, uh, for those of you who have been here before, this is going to be a review of what you've heard. But now you're going to hear it all together. And for those of you who are here today for the first time in this whole series and are just getting that tail end, you don't feel like you're just getting the tail end of something that you haven't been here for. You're going to get the whole thing as well. And uh, before we get into that, I need to explain what this letter is, who it was written by and to, and all that kind of thing. This is, if you look in your Bibles, you find it in, uh, it's in the New Testament. This is written by the Apostle Paul, the same Paul who was the guy by the name of Saul, who had been going around persecuting Christians because he was a Pharisee and thought that the people who were following Jesus were taking people away from following God. And that's what he was doing until he met Jesus, the resurrected, risen Lord Jesus on his road to Damascus. And it was at that point that Saul's life changed. And he becomes a new person. And he talks about that in this letter to the Philippians. A little bit. Hints at it anyway. And then he uh, he goes on from there, ends up going as a missionary, where he's actually moving from place to place to tell people about Jesus. And he's starting new churches everywhere he goes. And so he's going throughout the Greek and Roman world. And uh, wherever he goes, there are two responses. And this we've seen throughout the book of Acts, which we are going back to next week. So as we start next week, we'll go back to the book of Acts and look at how Paul actually ends up in Rome at the end of that book. But for now, we're looking at Paul whenever he uh, has gone around from place to place. There are two different responses. One is everywhere he goes, people receive the message about Jesus with joy. This is good news. But also everywhere that he goes, there's another response, and that is uh, the people who don't want this message getting around. Because, as Jesus said, the last will be first and the first will be last. And so those who are last hear this as very good news. But those who are first see this as very bad news. They don't want to be out of their positions of power and authority. They don't want Jesus to be king. They want to be their own king. And they don't like this. And so uh, Paul finds himself in trouble everywhere he goes as well. And this happens again as he ends up uh, in Rome, and he ends up in a Roman prison. And the people in Philippi, this church that he started in Philippi, they hear that he is in a Roman prison, and they're concerned. And so they send a guy by the name of Epaphroditus to take care of Paul, to send gifts that they have sent out along with him to meet his needs while he's there in prison. And uh, he receives, Epaphroditus receives the gifts, and then he turns around a bit later and writes this letter back to the Philippians to say, let me tell you how I'm doing. And it's probably not what you think. And Paul is actually doing remarkably well for being in a Roman prison, but it all has to do with Jesus being at the center of his life. Jesus being the very front and center thing in his thinking 
and is acting, is everything he's doing, and is speaking. Jesus is right there, kind of on the tip of his tongue always. And so because of this, he says there are a couple things in this letter, back to the Philippians. One is he's not concerned with what's going to happen to him. Because he knows either way, whatever ends up happening with him, Jesus still wins. And so you hear that in the letter. Another thing is he says that he has found the grace of Jesus to be above everything else, what matters. And so he's had this grace in his life. The first thing he says to them is grace and peace to you. And the last thing he says to them is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And so what he wants for them is for them to know Jesus and to know the grace of Jesus, that they would understand that whatever they're going through, they can make it through because of him and his grace for them and his love for them. And they would have peace and joy in the midst of every situation. So that's what he's writing to them. So he sends back with Epaphroditus. And that is what I want to share with you today, what I want you to hear from Paul. And uh, we're going to do this kind of just hearing it out loud all together. And um, one of the reasons for this is it's, it's easy to read words on a page and miss the sense behind them, miss the passion with which they are being communicated. But this is a very passionate letter by a guy who's in prison writing to people who love him and who he loves. And he is writing to them as though this may be the last thing they ever hear from him. And so what he is writing is something that really matters. And it's something that is in our Bibles today because it didn't just matter to Paul and it didn't just matter to the Philippians. But it matters for us that we would hear this message, that we would hear about the grace and the love of Jesus for us, and that we would be changed like Paul to be those who can have a peace and a joy in every situation because of our relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? I hope so. So, I'm going to pray now. And then when I say amen... I'm just going to be Paul, and you're going to be the Philippians. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. God, we thank you for all that you have made and all that you have given to us. God, we pray that you would give us ears to hear this morning, that we would hear your word. God, that we would be transformed evermore by your word, that we'd be changed into the people that you have made us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. God, we thank you for the work that you are doing in us, and we thank you for the confidence that we have in your work, not ours, and that you will carry that work on to completion. And so we can work and we can strive with each other for what you are bringing about, knowing that we can't lose, that it is you who works in us for good purpose. So Lord, we pray this uh, this morning, and again, we ask that you would help us to hear your word for us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul and Timothy. Servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, grace and peace to you, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. All of you share in God's grace with me. This is the worst part. There it is. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For it is... I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again your boasting in Jesus in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me whatever happens conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you 
This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Further, my brothers and sisters. Now, therefore, my brothers and sisters. No, therefore, my dear friends. There it is. Therefore, my dear friends. As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling, arguing, so that you may be pure, blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope... I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, 
whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. He was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Further, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by His Spirit who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on to take hold, press on to take hold of the prize, to win the prize, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I've often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, 
you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me, send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Okay, it's me again. I hope you were able to hear all of that um, and to hear the passion that Paul has as he communicates his message to the Philippians. But I hope you don't hear it as something that is far away and distant, but something that relates to the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the God who was there with Paul, you know, is there with you in all that you are going through, that you could know the same peace, peace and joy. That little bit that I talked about at the very end of the letter, that greeting, there's hardly anything there. And yet it has 
quite a bit for us that I will just say very quickly. One is as he greets the people, he is calling, these are the people who are in Christ Jesus. That's who he's talking about. These people who actually know Jesus, who are part of his church, who have this relationship with him. The people he's been saying, you are the ones that I love and you're the ones I long for. I have you in my heart. These are the people he's talking to, but he's also talking from a group of people. And that's a group of people in Rome, near the, in the prison and around the prison where he is. And he says, all God's people here send you greetings, right? All God's people here. There are people there in Rome that are now Christians because Paul's in prison. And we know this for sure because when he says, all God's people here send you greetings, he then says, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. How cool is that? I mean, come on. We got people in Caesar's household who are Christians now because Paul is in prison. This is why when he starts his letter, he says, I know you're worried about me, but I'm okay because I am in the hands of Jesus. And if I'm in the hands of Jesus, circumstances, schmirkumstances, right? That wherever he has me, he can use me. And that's what's going on here. I'm in prison in Rome, and guess what? Now, even people in Caesar's household are those who are part of God's people. And they're sending you greetings because you're in Jesus in Philippi. How cool is that? God is an amazing God. And then he says, closes the whole thing out, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is his conclusion to this letter of such passion for these people he cares about so deeply. And the last thing he says is that what he wants for them is the grace of Jesus to be with them. The grace of Jesus. The giving what you don't deserve. This is what Paul has received from Jesus. All the things that I was doing before I consider loss because they were all taking me away from Jesus. But what did I receive? Grace. Welcome. Love. That I didn't deserve. This is whatever else is going on with you. I want you to have that. I want you to know that. Because it's only as we know the grace of Jesus that we can actually have the right relationship with him. And it's only as we have the right relationship with him that all the peace and the joy that he talks about can ever be a part of our lives. So, this is the end of Philippians. Although you have it in your own Bible, so you can read it again whenever you want to. And be reminded of these things. But for now, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. If you'll turn to the back page of your bulletin.